Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's the criminal code of the underworld and a sacred vow of silence. But what happens when a criminal turns witness against his own? MCD presents Omerta, a live show with me, Nicola Talent, in association with Crime World on April 27th in the Olympia Theatre Dublin. Tickets on sale now at ticketmaster.ie. Well, it's very frustrating to hear somebody who will not take responsibility. I mean, it's just, I think that's a universal thing. Like to listen to somebody just give excuse after excuse. It can't just be dismissed as just total rubbish talk. Like you're involved with people who have the capability of at least carrying through that. I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs, and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. Jonathan Dowdall's evidence to the Special Criminal Court is now centred on his own 10 hours of booked conversations in a car with Jerry Hutch. Dowdall is flagging in the box after six gruelling days under cross-examination, yet he still manages to do battle with Brendan Graham, Hutch's defence. Today, I'm talking with Niall Donald about mass murder, bomb-making and the 12, he says, carried out the Regency. This is Crime World podcast from sundayworld.com From how it reads there on Twitter, it sounds like he's starting to seriously flag there. Yeah, I mean, look, it's day six under cross-examination. His, his actual evidence didn't take very long to give, but he's getting more and more frustrated. He will not let a single thing go without having an answer for it, a different answer than the question he's asked. Uh, everyone seems a bit worn out in the court listening to him, I have to say. Um, I was there up until the last, you know, less than an hour, but uh, I could just see as I was, <laughs> as I got up to leave, excuse myself, a couple of very jealous looking faces as I headed <laughs> out. Headed out. It's sort of like the last exam of the leaving search or something. Well, it's very frustrating to hear somebody who will not take responsibility. I mean, it's just, I think that's a universal thing. Like to listen to somebody just give excuse after excuse. 
Unfortunately, I keep going back to my experience as a parent uh, in these conversations. But you know when you have a child yeah. and they say, did you take that? No, no. And they just, it is, a, you know, so there is, there's a feeling of that John to Dowdle that He's, he... Yeah, and he got up twice this morning for a break and we didn't sit until late, you know, after half ten. And he got up for a break about ten past eleven and then he asked for another break at ten to twelve. I was like, I mean... Please, seriously, <laughs> do we all not want to go home? Do we not want to hit Christmas? Yeah. Um, does he not want to finish in the witness box himself? It's like, it's just, and an in actual fact, Brendan Graham said that to him today at one stage, like, you know, the straighter your answers are, I'm just actually asking a simple question. Give me a simple answer and you can leave here. You yeah. can go. But he's still fighting, like, and what, what exactly is he fighting for? I mean, is the is the other confusing bit of it? I suppose from his perspective, he's saying he's fighting for the true account, and that that's that's important to him. But like, what? Like, he is not even on trial. Like, it's it's easy to forget that nearly. Like, it, the, the consequence of his evidence being accepted or not accepted are actually almost nothing. Um, but funny you should say that he's accused Brendan Grehan of having him on trial. Oh, you have me on trial here. You're sitting as judge and jury to me here. You you're going over. Yeah, it's like as if he's on. That's how he feels. I'd say. Yeah, I'll give you one example of how frustrating he is. Okay, and this is his explanation of things. Yeah. So he's talking about. Um, he says he's. Oh yeah, Grehan says to him something like, uh, "Did you ever threaten anyone?" No, I never threatened anyone. Well. Are you sure that's true? Never threatened anyone in my life. Well, you threatened Alex Hurley, yeah. who's the victim of the waterboarding, who we, has come up, the poor man, every day yeah. just because he won't yeah. leave a go himself nearly. like Because Which, he puts I mean, himself... He's on, in, he recorded himself threatening him. So yeah. it's, not even, it's not even a bit of hearsay or the, the court was told it. Like he made sure he was... Yeah. It was Preserved for posterity, but... And then lost the USB key. But anyway, so never threatened anyone. Well, you threatened Alex Hurley, he says to him. Well, he said, but not when I was in prison. Not when I was serving my sentence and when I came out of prison, I didn't. I apologised for that bit, you know, and and he goes back again to how he did this. He sort of psychologically examined himself, sort of a lot of navel gazing through some course in prison. But that is his rationale. So this goes back and forth and back and forth. Until he eventually says, well, I suppose, you know, I did threaten him, but I've apologised for that. Yeah, yeah. It's very, very, very teenage Yeah, and I mean, that's, look, I, as I said it before, but in, in some countries, definitely, when they take people in as state witnesses, what they have to do is, and they do it in America, even with, in the mafia trials, even when people, in order to, to plead guilty, people have to kind of go into court and admit all their crimes before they get the kind of leniency of of you know of where the court gives it does a deal or whatever, and like I don't think if that even existed here he'd be able to do it because he doesn't seem to be able to admit anything to himself. It's like as if he fully believes, yeah, that he never threatened anyone. No, ever. Oh, but he made a oh, mistake. Oh, there was that little bit that yeah. he made. That was just a mistake, and he did it. There was reasons he did it, and he's addressed them. Yeah. So therefore, it is a clean slate. He never did it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't, of course, work like that. And uh, like you're seeing that now. But I do think that 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 is a problem with the credibility he has as a witness. If he was, if he was, had been forced maybe to be more direct and put some of these things in his statement in a way that addressed them, I think it would have given uh, f- much better weight to the things that, that can't be verified, like this meeting with, with Jerry Hutch. Um, 
And see, they did get back into the discussion of the three oaks, which was, again, one of the, is it a key bit of the, the, the prosecution's case um, that, that that is Jerry discussing the three AK-47s that were used in the Regency? Because, of course, what we're on now is we've moved on to the audio. Yeah. You see, that's the thing where he has been cross-examined about his performance in 2016 under arrest. He's now been cross-examined about what he says in the audio. And as you and I well know, he went on and on and on for 10 hours. It's quite a lot to cross-examine him about. And that sort of gone on. Before he just started playing that audio, there was something interesting, really, that Graham put to him. And it was was basically, you know, we're going to listen to the audio and, you know, we're going to talk about how you were caught on tape planning mass murder about planting and making bombs, about having six people assassinated, you know, and he's totally and utterly, like, horrified that yeah. anybody should accuse him of any of those things. And yeah. If he said it, he was just, he was just, uh, you know, rubbish showboating. Talk. Rubbish talk, he, he, rubbish he, he, show, he keeps coming back to it. I mean, like, like, of course, like, he is right in that it, it didn't happen. But, you know, it's not, he's also, you know, it's, you know, everybody knows who Jerry Hutch is. So he's sitting in a car with somebody who's been described as a master criminal, one of the most, you know, significant figures in Irish gangland, you know, on the name of everybody's lips at this point. And so it's not as if he's talking to, to you know, some mate down in the pub. Like he is talking about bombings mm. to one of somebody who's been described as one, as the absolute elite of, of the criminal underworld. So like that doesn't really sort of ring brilliantly, does it? Because you're talking with somebody who, who in theory, you know, has the capacity to carry these things out. So that gives it more weight. Like if you're discussing killing somebody with a hitman, mm. you know, that matters more than if you're, if you're you know, chatting to your friend in a, in a, as you go for a walk, I'd love to have my boss killed or whatever. Not that yeah. I, either of us would no. like to see that. Well. But, uh, <laughs> but he does review these before they go on. But uh, <laughs> no, but you know, of that's... we wouldn't. No, but that's... So it is a different thing, is it not? Like, yeah, no, it like, is. It, it is. is. It is. And you're mm. talking, he's driving up to meet a dissident Republican organisation that are on the world's watches yeah. for, for terrorism organisations. So it does have a and different way. And bombed and killed and maimed people yes. for decades in yes. this country. So yes. it absolutely does have a different yeah, way. It's not, it can't just be... It can't just be dismissed as just total rubbish talk. Yeah. Like you're involved with people who have the capability of at least carrying through that. Of course, it's not the same as if something had happened. It is different, but uh, you know, he really seemed to get himself in a knot now over the, um, the you know, the bomb making. Oh God, he really did. He's um, in a big knot about that. He's sort of basically the conversations they have between them. They are talking about uh, sparks. They're talking about detonators. They're talking about plastic. He's talking about something that doesn't have an odour. He's asked, is that Semtex you're talking about? I don't know. Yeah. Well, how do you know about these things? Oh, from the television. Yeah. From what? And he says Border Patrol or Control. Border Patrol. Is I think that that's, the thing I think the airport? I think it's on Sky, yeah. Is it, like where, is it that crap about yeah, when yeah, people are yeah. stopped with like, yeah, 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 you yeah. know, too much sort of fish or illegal yeah, something or other in their yeah, bags yeah. trying to, yeah. to, to travel? So I mean, I mean, I don't think they've ever had bomb components and how to make a bomb on that program. Now, I haven't watched every episode of it. Maybe he's a huge fan, and maybe yes, it is on and, that. And of course, he is an electrician. Like, I mean, that yeah. is another aspect of this. Like, you know, I don't know anything about 
bomb making, but you know, most electricians would at least have a working knowledge of how Probably. of how these things, you know, how something could be timed or whatever. Like so it you know, there is that as well. Like to, to say that all this knowledge just comes from TV and films. Um but he you know Is he in it, I suppose, in the tapes in the car, his problem, which I saw today was, you know, these tapes were ten hours long and they were happening, the conversations happening pretty quickly, like, you know, to try and follow every bit of it. And we haven't got the transcripts, but when you go back on it a few times, you see, you know, what it says. And he talks about my mechanism. Yeah. He talks about my yokes. He talks about his mechanism being the detonator is only in the little coil. I showed you the little fuse, he says. He's... um you know, he's talking about, as I said, this putty and he's explaining to Jerry Hutch how the putty has this chemical reaction. You mix the flame and the spark. You're, they're talking about ringing, you know, when you make, you, you, you make a phone call. You see, I actually don't know how to make a bomb. Yeah. So I'm babbling a little yeah, bit here, but they talk about making a phone call and that the phone call sets off the chemical reaction which explodes it, right? Yeah. And he's been asked about why did he say... Jerry Hutch asks him, well, what, what would happen if you put that in a car? Yeah. Or to blow the floor off the car? Yeah. What would happen if uh, you put it into a restaurant? It would blow the flo- floor, but not the walls. This, yeah. my type, or whatever, my one, or whatever. And then he's saying, back in the room, he's been asked about this, and he's just saying, but I don't know how to make bombs. I mean, bring somebody in here who does know how to make bombs, and I'd say they'll say, I'm ridiculous. Yeah. And it's very th- irritating. Yeah. And then, of course, he says, he, he, he sort of does a... He, he, steps into the role as a judge and says, this has no relevance to the Regency Hotel. Jonathan Dowdle says, you know, how many more days do you want to have me here? So he's deciding on the relevance. Uh, you know, it never happened. That's the guts of it. And that's his sole defence. And at another point he says, I'm sick. I'm sick of bearing this going on at this stage. You're going over it and over it and over it again. And of course, this is this, this is the way he feels. Like He feels that he shouldn't have to answer this. But it does. It does go to the relevance of, of you know. Well, it's tearing him apart as a witness, and it's it's. I mean, Graham has clearly stated today that he believes that he brought his bomb in to show the Shane Rowan up in Donegal how it worked. That he was using it as some sort of a bargaining tool yeah. to bring these dissidents in uh, to peace talks. We're talking about at this stage or whatever, but um, are certainly you know negotiations with the Kinnahans or whatever. Uh, he's look, They're looking for their backing. But he has said that you, you brought, your claims you brought your tool bag into that house to fix a plug. It's nonsense. You brought in, you showed them your bombs. Oh, I didn't. And sure, they never found anything in my house. If I made bombs, they'd find them. And he said to him, but actually, at this, you know, at the point that your house is raided, you're already worried you're under surveillance. So there's obviously, they've picked up a conversation somewhere else that we yeah. haven't heard of yet, where he talks about he's concerned he's under surveillance. And he said, you could have moved them. That's rubbish, that's rubbish. He challenged Graham a second time about what he was doing, you know. Yeah, you yeah. Know, sort of, I'm getting fed up of you now, sort of thing, you know. <laughs> yeah. what, what do you, I mean, this is ridiculous. This isn't even part of your job and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And actually the judge stepped in and said, actually, Mr. Dowdall, um, you know, it is up to the ju- judges to decide if enough something is enough or something isn't relevant. Yeah. But she said, I'm not stopping Mr. Graham because I believe this is relevant. Yeah. So he sort of caught himself on there and said, sorry, sorry about that. He's afraid of the judges. Yeah, he is. And I mean, I think he, he probably thinks he's been picked on by, by Mr. Graham and the judges. He looks up at them as if they're the, the you know, the, the, the good cop, not yeah. to get into that. 
Um, but it does it does go directly to the relevance of what was Jonathan Dowdle's knowledge, pre-knowledge and involvement in it. Now, he's already pled guilty to involvement in the Regency plot. I mean, that, he's, that's what he's in prison for. But, you know, so that if, if, he, if he had gone to trial on that charge, all of this stuff would have been put to him in, in a criminal sense, I think, you know. Mm. Um, like, as a witness, I have to say as well, because he does so much yapping and talking, he has, you know, they use the phrase, throw under the bus, you know, you're throwing somebody under the bus. He's put a lot of names out there yeah. during the course of his evidence. Um, obviously, he has claimed that Jerry Hutch met him three days after the Regency in a park and confessed to him that he and Mago Gately were the shooters yeah. uh, of David Byrne. But he then has put Patsy Hutch very much at the centre of um, the Regency. And in actual fact, you know, be remiss to say that there isn't more evidence on Patsy than there is on Jerry. Yeah. I mean, there's evidence, CCTV evidence of Patsy meeting Shane Rowan just before he's caught with the guns, not dealing with, um, you know, I mean, literally when this handover obviously happens in Kulak. Um, Patrick Hutch has obviously been mentioned, but today he said they discuss the six Regency gunmen in the car and Jerry Hutch says, sure, they didn't even know one another. Yeah. And he's quizzed about, you know, well, you did kind of know who they were because you're saying in one minute that Jerry Hutch has confessed that he was one of them and that Michael Gately was one. And in another minute, you're having a conversation where none of that is mentioned. Yeah. But Dowdall says, well, I knew three out of the 12. Yeah. Okay. So um, then he refers to the book of evidence. Yeah. And he says that at the time that Jerry Hutch said that he believed him and he's really annoyed at Jerry Hutch relying to him that he didn't know them right, right, and right, that they didn't... Right. He's really, really annoyed about this all these years later, obviously, and, and throughout it's been sort of festering with them that he was lied to by the Hutches, that Jerry Hutch lied to him, that he said he didn't know these people and they didn't know each other. When he says in court today, I looked at the book of evidence and I realised they're all family and friends. So he goes on today to name um, three more people that he says are... Uh, you know, involved in this 12. He doesn't give any named, of them roles. but named in the book of evidence anyway. Yeah. And I mean, he says, uh, he describes a Johnny. Which presume, which we presume... Uh, is the late Johnny Hutch, who's, who's Johnny um, Jerry's brother. Jerry's older brother. Uh, he, he, died, he died tragically there a couple of years ago. It was a, just a normal accident. Um, you know, he'd been in ill health. Um, so he's named, he was, he was living up in the North Circular Road. He also did survive a gun attack, Johnny Hutch, on his house. He had collected a daughter who um, I think was was in a school for special needs people and had come back to the house and a gunman opened fire on, on him and he managed to close one of these bullet-resistant yeah. doors before he was killed. He was a very high-level target for the, the Kinahan cartel and survived a couple of attempts yeah, on his life. One very... Turkey as well. Yeah, he was... Well, uh, yeah, that was another confusing incident yeah. where it wasn't clear if he'd, um, he'd uh, you know, exactly what had happened or, or mm. you know, obviously it was carried... There was an investigation carried out by the Turkish police, but he survived, very narrowly survived a very serious attempt on his life outside his home. He was was one of the people that was under the highest level of protection from the Gardaí. And uh, yeah, it, but died in a totally un, un, unconnected and way. I think that time in, in, in Turkey, whether or not anything happened, he was so convinced he jumped from the balcony and broke his legs. Yeah. 
Um, they, they seem to have had a, the, the Hutch family seemed to have had a property over there that he'd been staying in. But yeah, he was under huge pressure and was a, was a target, absolutely. He also named Gareth Hutch, who was murdered, I think, in the April of 2016 at Avondale House. Um, Gareth Hutch was named on some sort of a peculiar social media site in the Netherlands at one stage, I remember, shortly before his murder. Yeah, I mean, Gareth, Gareth Hutch had been, uh, you know, had been involved in crime, um, had been involved in armed robberies, but was probably not considered... Um, you know, as as high a level involved as as people like like Gary Hutch. You know, obviously the two cousins had the same sort of name. Yeah. Um, Garrett Hutch would have been. Uh, he was the son of Johnny as well. Yeah. Son of Johnny, and he would have carried um, one of the coffins. Uh, carried Neddy Hutch's coffin, I think, didn't he? The, the shortly before he died, just he weeks before yeah, he, he died. Did. He did, definitely. And he, of course, had gone to the councillor Niall Ring to look for a transfer out of his apartment because he felt his young son was coming to stay with him and he felt he was he just couldn't protect him there and he wanted to be moved out of the area. And obviously convicted for his murder are Johnny Kyo, a neighbour, his sister Regina Kyo, who lived in the same apartment complex in Avondale House and allowed her apartment be used for a lookout the night before. Um, and Thomas Fox, Thomas Tossie Fox as well, is also serving... Uh, life sentence for for that murder, and they they were uh, Kinnahan associates, but really gunmen for hire. And um, they would have known Garrett Hutch and probably even been friendly with him, but they took on a contract and were being paid a weekly wage by the Kinnahan cartel. They were kind of, uh, you know, they were they weren't. It wasn't personal for them. They were they were they would have known loads of those Hutches and been been friendly with them for many many years. Um, so it was, it was. There was something very shocking about that murder. It was done. It was actually captured on CCTV. That eventually got kind of leaked out from from various places. And it really is quite quite horrific the way it occurred. Like, and it's a very busy part of the of the city, you know, and in in a flat complex. So I have memories that it happened at like nine o'clock in the morning or something like yeah, that. It yeah, was something. There was something shocking, and Garrett Hutch was arguably no angel, but I don't think he was. Um, he he was. You know, there, he was a, a popular guy in another way within within his community, and a you know a very sad sort of end. He, then he also threw in the name of Neddy Hutch, who was um, the taxi driver brother of Jerry Hutch, who was killed within three days at the Regency. He was killed on a Monday on the doorstep of his home. He'd gone out to the shops to buy some cans of beer, I think, and a cake for his partner, and. Yeah, that was a really shocking murder. So he named, he's named the three of them. And then he said, all dead, by the way, he hasn't named anybody yeah. there who's still alive, but he has obviously Mago um, he, and Patrick. I mean, he's identified Patrick Hutch. He says he knows him from that photograph. They hit him again about the pixelation and he has corrected himself kind of again, a little bit of a turn of phrase, but he said he knew him the minute he saw the unpixelated version of the photograph. Yeah. So, um... Which is not in a statement, like, so, I mean, the, the, you know... No. So well, Not that we know of, it's not in a statement. We haven't really seen his full statement. No, we haven't seen the statement, but he's been sleep. questioned on his... He's been questioned on his statement. So, yeah, yeah that, that's fair. So they... And then he just went on to say they all knew each other. And he's very perturbed that the, the um, newspapers said Neddy Hutch was innocent. Yeah. An innocent taxi driver. He's really annoyed about that. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, th again, this goes to the justification that 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 you know, obviously, he's he's been 
he's really rejected the notion that he's Jonathan Dowdle, the rat, he says he doesn't like that and that, you know, he's just coming forward and telling the truth and part of his motivation for telling the truth is that he said two things, that he was he was deliberately thrown under the bus by the Hutches and number two, that they started the, 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 the feud anyway, um, that it wasn't the Kinnahans, that it was them that started the shooting. So this goes through his, to his, uh, his narrative, which is that the Hutches, are, you know, are not blameless. I mean, Nettie Hutch, you know, was a taxi driver and he had, you know some level of minor convictions. Um, he had been caught up in the investigations well back in the, in the 90s to do with Jerry Hutch and the money, not of any of the high-level stuff, but some, some things to do with the money. Um, but, you know, he was generally not, uh, you know, he wasn't, he certainly wasn't a, a gangland figure. But Jonathan Dowdle has thrown him in here. When he says 12 people, of course, he's not... There's obviously the, the the three gunmen dressed as ERU guards and the the two flat cap and the man in drag mm. and there's somebody who drove the the, the getaway driver. The getaway drivers. So that's, that's pleading not guilty. The the, the people the state yeah, alleged so, are the getaway so, yeah. drivers are sitting beside Hutch in the court. Paul Murphy yeah. and Jason Bonney. So I mean, there's six people that are you know appear in, in, at the Regency that day. There's also the state has said there was a convoy and other people, and so Jonathan Dowdle is clearly linking um, uh, Neddy Hutch to that kind of movement through cars mm. and stuff like mm. that. Um, he's most nearly have identified all 12 of them now at this stage, has yeah, he, in fairness? Yeah, yeah. So he's he's Jerry, Patsy, yeah. Johnny, Mago, Garrett. Patrick, Gareth. The, the two, two in the... There, Paul Murphy and Jason Bonney. Presumably they're in the, the, the book of evidence is what he's oh, talking yeah, about, yeah. yeah. So then we have... Here, help me out here. <laughs> That's eight. Yeah, yeah. And there's twelve, so there's four. Yeah. Left. Yeah. Is that right? Is there no? Oh, flat cap. Yeah, flat cap. So there's three left. Yeah. Three people he hasn't identified. Well, yeah. Who he so, says is. Yeah. So I mean, look, this is it. But you know, I mean, the, 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 it's clear, like as well, to say that, I mean, for example, Johnny Hutch Senior died a couple of years ago. He was never charged. Um, you know, they had all this evidence and they didn't bring any charges against them for a reason uh, four years after. So, you know, people have entitlement to have that said about them. And and similarly, uh, Patrick Hutch Jr. was 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 brought to court and it was he was not convicted of that. So that is also clear to say. Patsy's obviously uh, also is, is is in the same boat. He's been named a lot in this trial, but again, he's not been convicted or charged with any offence as of this point. Yeah, and I mean, they'd have to use him as a witness Yeah, again against him. Well, For some of it, I mean, I think there's probably is some CCTV anyway and that kind of thing. Yeah. Look, I suppose they'd see how this goes and what happens at the end of it. You'd be really surprised to know that he was a little bit woolly as well about um, these northern, as what was he, what did he call them at one stage? Brethren, his northern <laughs> brethren. Okay. I have to stop myself laughing every now and then. Um I just think that's a funny word to say to Jonathan. Yeah. So what about your northern brethren? But anyway, uh, he, we, how does he know him? He doesn't know how he knows him. Yeah. Uh, well, how did you ever meet him? Can't remember. And he then said that he got eventually kind of like literally pulled it out of him. It's like giving birth to get these facts from him. Yeah that Piers McCauley seems to be the one that gave, that connected him to we. Right. And that Kevin O'Neill didn't know him, then he did know him, and then Shane Rowan came down to Dublin after the Regency. Yeah. And uh, 
he wanted to call to his house. Why do you want to call to his house? So she didn't really know him. I didn't know him. So he was just dropping in. Yes, yeah. he seems to have been just dropping in, but I didn't want him. So his father went around the corner to meet him. Then he sort of said his father knew Shane Rowan, but it's all very woolly. And I mean, it is like, you know, you'd wonder at this stage, could, yeah. could, we, could everyone not just kind of yeah. go home? It's interesting. The conversations around the court are, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? It feels like it's coming to that part of the trial. Yeah. Everybody's talking about it. Is he going to be convicted? Is he not? Yeah. I mean, nobody is talking about Bonnie and Murphy, no. who are in attendance every day and look who um, the evidence was given in relation to them. Yeah. In a way, I think their cases are probably more clear cut. Yeah. Um, but it's the big question is, Hutch, yeah. is he going to walk? I mean, it, there's so if you look at the the, the, the the things the prosecution are putting forward against Jerry Hutch, there the, the, these bug discussions where they say he has he has he seems to have knowledge of the movement of weapons and who was involved and um, they have Jonathan Dowdle's witness statement which you know he he relates a, an alleged confession by Jerry Hutch they also have Jerry Hutch's uh movements some of Jerry Hutch's movements um so i mean that's really what it's going to come down to isn't it um well the key items is that is there enough on those tapes is he committed committal enough is the business about him saying he was throwing the three yokes back up to the north yeah and that he had told the kind of the context of the conversation was that he told the dissidents yeah that they were involved it yeah. was an, it wasn't quite a clear conversation e- either is that enough to convict somebody on murder along with John the Dowdall's, items coming from Jonathan Dowdall's evidence yeah, like, which are that he confessed to him three days after the murder. Yeah. No one else saw, no one else heard. There's yeah. no backup for that whatsoever. And that he met him in the darkness with the key, with the key card. And, of and again, no backup, although he has said his father would. But, but I mean, the state haven't attempted to... Well, I mean, if they, ha- they haven't attempted to introduce evidence from his father. So, I mean, that, that doesn't exist. I mean, you can't... Or evidence from his phone, or evidence from well, the pinging of the phone, or any other evidence that might be there, like, for example, a purchasing of petrol in a nearby location, yeah. or any of those things. Yeah. They so, haven't put another thing. It's his word, plus the tapes. His word plus the tapes, though. I do think in the opening statement they did mention something about uh, Jonathan. De- there was some move- mention of Jonathan Dowdle being sort of in that location. So, like, it's a complicated case. To- well, the only the only pinging evidence of the phones came up the other day, mm. and it was to do with the Regency Hotel and where he was. Yeah, and I mean, like, I mean, obviously, Brendan Grehan is 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 putting it to Jonathan Dowdle that 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 you know he, he focused a lot on 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 on. Shane Rowan and, you know, Jonathan Dowdle's, uh, you know, being a contact person for those, the guns, which we know the location of the guns. So, I mean, obviously they do have have, have Jerry Hutch travelling up. Um, like, they haven't really said, for example, that's not Jerry on the tapes, you know. The, the, you know, they have, that, that is in a sort of key bit of the defence. So they have him travelling up, but they have him travelling up in the aftermath of the Regency. Uh, the murder's already occurred yeah. one way or and another. He's been away. You hear on yeah. the tapes. He's been away. He's only come back to Dublin. So it is. It's a. It is. But you know, it's not over yet. I just realised. You know who two of the other three are? Who? Jonathan Dowdle and his father. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah. that leaves one. Yeah. There's yeah. just one unidentified well, yeah. individual. I'd have to. No, I'd have to listen back now and see if you counted up on 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 the fingers correctly. I did. Yeah. There I had five and three. <laughs> <laughs> so 
<laughs> it's looking really... Yeah, yeah, no, I did it. I actually don't always have to do that. I like doing you that. Do, you do. Um, you just get it accurate when you need to. So, I mean, it's it's like, what happens next? There's another day, another day and a half, is there? A, well, I don't know. I mean, there's this audio, there's 10 hours of it. Yeah. He's not playing at all. But he's playing quite large chunks of it. I think so, Dowdall can't say he can't get the context of it. He's given him a good big... And then it's taken him so long to get the answer out of him. Yeah. So it could go on. Or, you know, I don't think they're even in the north yet in the tapes. No. So we're not halfway there. No. Oh, Jesus, we're nowhere near halfway there. What am I talking about? Yeah. Sure, that's only two hours. But that's only... That, and, ten. Yeah, and that depends on, you know, obviously the defence are going to focus in on certain bits. They're not going to go through everything line by no, line. No, they're not going through ten hours of it. But, you know, at the same time, he's been so difficult with his answers that it's kind of taking so long. I mean, there's so much stuff that you could go yes or no, will you? Yeah, yeah. But, I, yeah, he's, he's... I don't know how much more I can take of him. yeah. Yeah. It's not about me, is it? <laughs> it's, no, it's arguably not. <laughs> arguably. Um, no, so... Tomorrow, on Wednesday, tomorrow is a shorter day because there's something on. So Wednesday, they're going to clock off for Christmas and that's it, so... Well, and so then they'll be back probably in the early January. Mid. Mid-January. Yeah. And then they'll, they, in theory, could bring them back for another three or four days. In theory, or, you know, um, what more evidence is there to come? Well, there will be other bits, I think, you know, and then, you know, obviously then you have to see how the prosecution put all this, this stuff together. Of course, the big, they, they, that's going to be the big, really, things. They're, they're the sort of the conclusions from both sides yeah. and what they have to say about it. And it will be more interesting to hear the defence side of it, Yeah. to be honest with you, because yeah. what are they going to say? Well, they're obviously going to say this man is a liar, but why are they going to say he's done this? Yeah, exactly. Because that... that remains sort of somewhat... Yeah. He's cross. Yeah. He he believes he was dragged into something that... Yeah. That he didn't deserve to be dragged into. But I mean, what are... And Jerry Hutch's defence, what are they... How are they going to present, you know, which is, which is obviously... Um, it is alleged that that's him on the tapes and discussing at least having knowledge of, of this, you the know... The return of the weapon, certainly. Yeah. But he's not facing a weapons charge. No, he's not. So, I mean, he, like he's charged with murder, so he can't then be uh, found, guilt, found guilty of facilitation of murder, mm. you know, any sort of weapons charge or any sort of cons- conspiracy charge. Um, it's a straight guilty or not guilty. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to, it's, you see, th- these cases where it's very hard to know what the outcome is. And mm. I think you you get that from, the court reporters that are there, they, I remember some, uh, I think it was, it was one of the cases, uh, I think it was Fat Freddy, where if you sit at home and read the evidence, you go, that could go either way. But they're sitting there every day, they're hearing all the little bits. I was at a lot of that and I knew he was a goner. Yeah. I knew he was a goner. Absolutely. I could have put money on it. Yeah. But, um, I won't tell you where I'm putting my money on this. (laughs) No, no. I'm going to secretly do it. Yeah. But, uh, and, and exactly the same, actually, with some of the reporters for the Aaron Brady case, where I was going, oh, God, like, that could go yeah. either way. But they were absolutely convinced. They said, no, it just doesn't. When you're there and you see it and you hear the people talk, that's not the way it's going to go. So, but the, the court reporters this time, they're not, they're not sure, are they? Well, there's just, people are just starting to talk about it now. Yeah. Like, it's, it feels as if it's coming yeah. soon. Like, you know, the, that, that point where... 
um, you know, you have to make a judgment call on it because yeah. definitely Dowdall has just gone like this. Yeah. That's me putting my, yeah, in a downward spiral. work on the, uh, the audio. The audio only. <laughs> <laughs> but he has yeah. flagged and he has a, the rest of us as well. But he, you know, when you talk about sometimes he's believable, et cetera, et cetera. He had a bad day there today now and I yeah. think he's just getting really more and more cross and the tapes yeah. actually it's all the talking he does really hangs himself on those tapes. Yeah, and he, you know, it's all very well to say I know this and I see this and that and telly, but they don't go into describing, I mean, I can't think of a tele television program where they go into detail about, deton you know, detonators and timers and... Uh, Somebody yeah, must yeah, watch yeah. an awful lot of television, to <laughs> yeah. be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's look... Not, not getting it for Fair City, put it that way. We shall return tomorrow for another Groundhog Day. Yeah. Okay. So I'll talk to you tomorrow. Which was a Christmas film, wasn't it, Groundhog? Was it? I think so. Okay. Thanks, Nicola. Bye. <laughs>